Welcome to the Driving Change Podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network, where we live at the intersection of neuroscience and storytelling. If you love great stories and you love understanding the mindset it takes to be a world-class change agent, then join us as our fascinating guests from all walks of life unpack their unique journeys of perseverance and passion, of expertise and experience, and be inspired to use your own story to drive change. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Driving Change program. Um, As usual, I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Uh, Do you remember back when you used to be curious as a kid, when you used to ask why all the time, and your parents would say, because I said so eventually, because you just just asked the why question so many times. Somewhere between being four, five, six years old and being adults, most of us have lost that desire to ask why. Uh, Today's guest I'm going to, I just can't wait to unpack where we're going to go with this. I don't even know where we're going to go with this. This is what's great about it. But Brian Dodge, you probably know the name. He's been, he's been an inspirational, motivational, empowering speaker, teacher, trainer for years. He's got a, a bio as long as your leg. And he and I talked, he asked me specifically not to read his bio because he knows that you could care less about what he's accomplished in his life, but he, you you do care about what he can help you with today. And we're, I bet, going to get under this topic of helping you start to ask that question again in a much deeper level as, as to why and how that why applies to you in your life. And so from, a, from author to speaker to teacher to trainer, he's a sage, he's a mentor, he's an amazing human. Welcome to the show, Brian Dodge. Well, Jeff, it's an honor to be part of your show. And it's interesting how we connected when I did a prog- program for Tom Ziegler. And Tom and, uh, has been, I've known him since he was really small, when his dad was out teaching him golf, right? And uh, did a very special program for him. And uh, that brought us an opportunity for me to share some time with you. And I thank God for that. It's excellent. And I'll tell you, the Ziegler legacy lives on through people like you. And people like like myself that followed him for years, and now and now Tom and uh, that circle and that ripple effect, and Matt Dentino, who's our uh, one of our extraordinary coaches on our team, who's also the podcast producer of this show, uh, and his relationships with folks like yourself, it's just amazing to see. I bet Zig would just be smiling down, seeing the legacy that's that, that the ripple effect that he's left through people like yourself. So thank you. Well, see, I thought I was weird, and then I met Matt. <laughs> well, we get that a lot, actually. <laughs> and by the way, if Matt's listening, I know he is. That's a compliment, okay? That's a compliment. That's good communication. Make sure you control your thinking on that behavior, okay? That's right. That's right. All right, Brian. I told you up front in the show note or the pre-show that we don't we don't script this show. The only scripted question is the first one because you know people don't really care what you have to offer them from a credibility standpoint until they can connect with you. So we want to understand you. Uh, let's go all the way back. Tell us your origin story. Give us a little bit of that background and who were your early influencers? Where, where did those values and beliefs get instilled in you that led you to a career that was really about servicing others, helping other people achieve potential? Where'd that, where'd that story start? Well, it started in Colorado Springs, where I was born and raised. Uh, I was youngest of three. And uh, make a long story very short, um, People realize they see me on stage or they come and they've read my books or they see my company, Dodge Development, that does full in-house consulting for family-based companies. And they, they go, wow, were you always this way? Did you always have this confidence? Did you always have these skills? And little do they know where I came from. You know, a, a person that really um, didn't speak much in class because, A, my self-confidence was so low. 
a person that really had difficult times understanding um, from the outside, I was very strong. From the inside, I was very weak. Make a long story short, I remember I was the author of the year in Colorado Springs, and I walked up on stage, and I had my college friends there. I had my family there. There's about 1,500 people all there. They were invited, and my high school friends. And there's 12 of us that have been together forever, right? And they're in the back. They're in the back. And I'm on stage, and I spoke for almost 90 minutes. And the place went – it was just a, a, a moment to remember a lifetime because they – the ovation, the, the hugs, the tears, the excitement. And one of my best friends, when he stands up, everybody knows it because he's six foot seven. And so he stood up and he says out loud, it proves there's hope for all of us. <laughs> if, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Right. So the best thing in life is to realize that I had a couple key elements in my life. I had parents that didn't allow me to quit. I had parents that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And fortunately, I got married when I were 19. Margaret and I got married not because we had to, because we were called to. We've been married now 45 years. And God brought Margaret into my life because she's a teacher. <laughs> I didn't like teachers, and then I married one. <laughs> think about that one. <laughs> you think God has a sense of humor. There's your sense of humor right there. And through that process, I began to realize failure's biggest choice is choosing to walk alone. Say that again. Failure's biggest choice is choosing to walk alone. My father taught me that a lot. My mother embedded that in my belief. If you walk alone, you're alone. If you reach out, it's biblical. Ask and you shall receive. receive. Right. And asking is not a sign of weakness. Asking is a sign of strength. So through this process of me being where I was in elementary school, all the way through college, I went to University of Nebraska on a track scholarship. Don't hold that against me. Then I went rodeo and I went pro for two years, uh, do calf rope and team roping and bulls. And uh, I was in a Denver stock show and I drew this one bull called Funeral Wagon. <laughs> There's your sign right there. And let me tell you the clue. That was not a good idea on my part because I almost died. You know what I'm saying? And my wife gave me this motivational talk. She said, either you get a real job or I'm getting a real husband. That's fair. That's reasonable. You know what I've learned in life? The greatest gift that you have to accept in life is discipline is not what you do to someone. It's what you do for someone. Surround yourself around people that are harder on you than you are on yourself. It's not because they're angry, because they believe in you. And if I had months, I could tell you all the people I've been thankful that came into my life because I began to grow my life. You know, as we talk about driving change doesn't come from the outside. Driving change comes from the inside. And you talk, you talk about the why. I always say those that focus on the how, which is too many, always end up working for those that focus on the why. You have to identify why you have it inside of you. And when I'm blessed to communicate with people, they say, you you were just talking to me. There must have been, you know, 5,000 people in the room. Well, I was talking to them because you and I both know I wasn't talking. Okay. It's a message that we connect with that awakens the inside of a good person. 
And so that part of it's very crucial. So I grew up in Colorado Springs, went to the University of Nebraska, graduated from there. We moved on to uh, went to work. I went to be an animal science production. I was going to be a veterinarian. <laughs> kind of when he, people look at me, you go, wow, you went through an interesting journey. And uh, then began to go into pharmaceuticals and worked uh, in with Eli Lilly and broke some major, right, I was youngest Mac Award winner for him. And it was all because what I did was I chose to reach out for knowledge. If I didn't know how to communicate, I'd ask people that knew how to communicate. And one of the things that a very special gentleman, one of the, probably the, he built half of Colorado Springs. He says, Brian, let me give you a piece of advice. And I was 11. He says, never take advice from somebody more messed up than you. It's reasonable as well. I've never forgot that. Because here's what happens. If you don't ask for advice, then you've opened the door for bad advice to enter your life. Asking is driving change. It's you're controlling the direction. And if you're asking the wrong people, that's when you need to look in the mirror and say, why am I so comfortable with what is wrong? When I know that's wrong, I should be more comfortable going where is right. And then from there, we decided that um, uh, Margaret and I did the Ben Franklin because they talked about me moving to Indianapolis and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And Margaret and I said, I don't want to go to Indianapolis. I don't want to be in an office. I, this is not who I am. I know who I am. I love people. And so we did the Ben Franklin. You ever done the Ben Franklin? No, sir. Where you just draw a line down the middle. That's how he made all his decisions. You draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper. On the left-hand side, you write all the pros to the decision on the right hand side you write all the cons whichever one weighs out you go with it so we wrote the pros and cons and there was a whole lot more cons against me going there and we then started a company called results and i figured if education can help me see standard education will get you jobs self-education will make a fortune it's what you learn because you're not in the system it's a choice it's not driven by what you are responsible to do so then I began to study and learn from people. And I said, if that can impact somebody who has so little skills to accomplish so much, imagine what it would do to somebody like Jeff that has all these skills, all these skills, all these talents and everything else. So I built a company called Results and we put on seminars all around the country that allow people to come in for a day or two days. We built a company, about 186 full-time employees doing wow. seminars all around the country. And, uh, Found out from there, my biggest frustration is I have a heart of a servant. And that is, if a seminar is one thing, but staying with somebody for years, everything. And I want to really share a, a, a great bit of wisdom that I've learned over my lifetime. They say it takes 21 days to change a habit. That's really not true. It takes 21 days to recognize that you are now, it's something you need to change. It takes a year for it to really embed into it. So what I now have is Dodge Development, which is a full in-house consulting firm, which we do everything under one roof. Before I choose to work with a company, uh, they have to, and I have to make a decision to be together for a year. And Jeff, just between you and I, see my well is very deep like yours. 90 minutes on stage is frustrating because I always say what? Oh, I could have said this. Oh, I could have said this. I could have given this. I could have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, when I'm with people for a year and we become brothers for life, <laughs> I'm a happy guy. Right. So driving change means finding the thing that inspires you. In my first book, The Good Life Rules, 
the three words that I think I, I, Margaret and I are so blessed. We can very seldom get on a plane. Somebody doesn't tap us on the shoulder and say, just want to let you know you saved our marriage, which you and I both know I didn't save their marriage. They did. They said that book you wrote, The Good Life Rules, the three words, game changer. And those three words are bring energy home. Don't go home without it. Don't go home and say you're tapped. Don't go home and say I've used it all up, got nothing left for you. And don't go home and say, give me a cold beer, turn on the TV and be quiet. <laughs> right. Because you can get fired at home, right? You can get so, fired at home. Absolutely. You can get fired at home. So the key element here, Jeff, is if you bring energy home, home will give it back to you. And if you want to really drive change in your life, you have to have energy to share. And it doesn't come in a glass and it doesn't come in a jar and it doesn't come in a little bottle. It comes from people that love you. If you bring it to them, they give it to you. You got it. Now you can drive change. Make sense? Not only does it make sense, I mean, it just validates. What I love now is, you know, we're trying to validate a lot of the stuff that folks like yourself and Zig and and, and Tom and others have been talking about for, for, for centuries, basically, well, the way back to some of the original uh, communicators. It's emotional contagion. It's real. Emotional contagion can be studied. It's real. It's basically energy contagion that your body and, and your, your, your physiology gives off energy. And, the, and it usually manifests in a form of emotion. And so the, when you're talking about coming home that way, you will transfer whatever energy you're bringing home into that household, whether you want to or not. So the question is, is what energy do you want? What emotional contagion do you want to give off to the, to the spouse and to the kids and to the neighbors? Because that's exactly how they're going to they're gonna reciprocate that energy. It's physiological. It's how we're wired. And so it just now science is catching up to how God designed us. And I love it. You see it everywhere. And when, when you know it, you start to see it everywhere. Well, you know, and again, what you point out so clearly, and it's amazing um, how you know, based on your age, really, most people aren't able to accomplish that understanding at your age, is that it's a choice. It's a choice. If you want to have better choices, then have better questions. Because here's what I've learned in life. Better questions drive better conversations. Better conversations drive better choices. Better choices drive better outcomes. People go, how do I really begin to do things better? Have better questions. You and I asked questions right out of the gate before we even came on. I was like, well, that guy's sharp. It's, it's, such, it's so true. And uh, Dan Doherty, who's our resident PhD, he talks all the time about at the end of the day, all we're really trying to do is help create better relationships. And if you just take that formula you just put and you precede it with equals better relationships, that whole cascade, you just asking better questions, gets better choices, better choices. All that leads to what? Better relationships. And when you really boil it down, isn't that what we're all looking for? We're all looking for better, positive relationships in our lives because that just brings more energy. And then it taps into those things that you talk about a lot is that when you're unconsciously competent at the things that God wired you to do, you just feel energy all the time because you're operating in that divine superpower. Yeah, no, so true. You remember, you remember Jim Rohn? Of course, right? Yeah. Of course, Rohn, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you did. And, and that's funny because I, uh, I did, I brought him out of Herbalife a long time ago, and so just a great guy. But anyway, the you know he, he talked about the emotions that really make change possible. You know, disgust and resolve, right? Those are the, and then you talk about Zig that talks about the reasons, and that's inspiration or desperation. See, here's what you need to understand. Those are both very clear, but based on the one you begin to change on, 
determines the kind of change you attract. See, if the reason is inspiration, that's a choice. That's something you're doing when you're doing well. If the reason is desperation, that's out of fear. So the, the emotional side's wrong. But the other one is the emotion of uh, resolve or disgust. Resolve is you've actually given, you've resolved to the fact you can't do it alone. So now you're willing to reach out. Disgust, you have vindictiveness in you. You're angry. So what I would only challenge people to realize during this conversation is choose the right emotions and choose the right reasons with intention on purpose that will then begin to drive the outcome with the results that we want. And those are the things that make life what I believe in. Life's too short not to be happy. Life's too short not to be happy. So if you're not happy, then you got to go back to starting over to get to that goal. Because in life's too long not to figure that out. You follow me on that? Absolutely. Uh, let, let's let's spend a, a minute there because I think there's some people, I feel like there's some people right now this is going to make a huge impact on. This idea of, of the choice of the emotion that you're going after each day. Inspiration is a choice that has a positive flow, a positive direction. Um, I love that. When, would you think then that desperation is almost a reaction? Still a choice, by the way, because you're choosing to you're choosing to take that fear and you're reacting to it out of desperation, which causes you to be a, a much more haphazard decision maker because now you're scrambling. Now you're like Scooby-Doo, right? You're running on air. And whereas inspiration is, a, is I feel like is a much more positive forward thinking choice that even if things aren't lined up perfectly for you, you're not allowing fear to dictate the things around the inspiration that may not be perfect. You're focusing on the inspiration of where you're going. Now, if you think about that, does that resonate at all with you where desperation is more of a reactive and, and now fear's controlling you versus inspiration is I've taken control of my choice and it's forward and it's positive? Well, I don't think it could have been said any better. Well, I'm sure it could have. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm tracking with you. No, no, that's perfect. And, and it's so clear and it's so obvious. And, and uh, inspiration, you're looking up. Desperation, you're looking down. Mm. See, it could have been said better. You just did. Thank you. For proving my point. <laughs> no, we, we nailed it. So, uh, you know, last time I checked, it looks like we're pretty good together. I like that part. <laughs> see, people understand. They go, okay, how, how come I ended up to where I am? Let's go back to how you started. And it goes, is it possible for me to go back and restart? Oh, absolutely. Life is simple. Just go back and restart. And by doing that, you begin to understand how do I make better choices? Have a better conversation. Who am I talking about? No, I'm talking about you having a better conversation with yourself. An average person talks to themselves over 50,000 times a day, whatever that is, right? And 80% of it's negative. Jeff, that's dumber than stupid. It's your own conversation. You can pick your own conversation. You control your own conversation and you still pick negative. Why? Because it's easier. A river finds its path of least resistance. It's easier to be negative than positive, period. You know, I, when I get on stage and people introduce me as a motivational speaker, I always go, no, I'm not a motivational speaker because they go, why? I said, if you take an idiot and you motivate him, what do you got? A motivated idiot. No, what we're talking about is inspiration. Things that are true, we know what's true. And we also know things that awaken our soul that feeds us peace. That's when you know. 
And in the book, um, you know, I talk about how to have conversations with yourself. And the best thing to do is recognize it. If you ever see me on stage, you, you can see Matt knows I use the left hand and the right hand. No, it's not a political thing. It's just an analogy. So I tell people every time you're starting to think negative, just look at your left hand and go, OK, really? If I reach out, it's not going to work. People don't care. Really? Uh, driving change. Nobody's driving change. It's not worth it. Right? That conversation. And the other hand says, your right hand says, wait a minute, you have a heart of a servant. You're called to do this. The right hand says, if you ask, you shall receive. The right hand says, listen to a better conversation and you'll have better answers and better emotions and better outcomes, right? So just recognize which hand you're talking to. And Jeff, you can't believe how often I walk up to people and they go, Dodge. They call me Dodge, Dodge. I had no idea I talked to my left hand that much. (laughs) <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Oh, it's so true. And here's the key. You don't have to get angry with it. Befriend your enemy. I know I gave it a name. I know who it is. I have a conversation. When it starts talking to me and I look at it and go, that was good. You almost got me buying to something I know is not even close to being true. That was good. You're sneaky, right? You befriend your enemy because it is going to travel with you all the time. Okay. So the more you recognize it, the more you can then identify it. You don't get mad at it. You just recognize it. And you got to see when I do programs for uh, companies. Oh, it's hilarious. They'll have a board of directors meeting and somebody come up with a real left-hand comment. And everybody in the room doesn't say anything. They just raise their left hand. And he goes, okay, good one. Move on. <laughs> right. Well, now here's my – wait a second. I'm feeling a little bit challenged here because what about those of us who are left-handed? And we would like the left hand to be the positive. Like, can we just – come on. Why, why are you just assuming that? Okay, I'm not. I'm not want to point out. I'm not. I'm not want to point out detail. Margaret, my wife is left-handed. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not. You're not limited to what you're going to be able to do. But you and I both know where I'm going with that. Yeah, I do totally. So, so let's talk then how to. Because one of the things that I say a lot, and it sounds like it's lined up perfectly with what you're talking about, is I, I can come and speak to your group and I can bring information. And that information can bring a little bit of inspiration. But if it, if it stays there and doesn't go to activation with application, nobody cares. Um, and so as we start to think about this, and, and I always feel like motivation, I can't motivate anybody to do anything. That's got to be, that's intrinsic, right? You, you can only motivate yourself. This conversation that we're having, let's dive into that. We started with the, the episode with the question around why. Why are so many people talking to their left hand in your, in your example? Why, why do they do that? Why do they spend so much time, 80% of their time, talking to that negative voice that's talking to them in a way that's only going to hold them back? Why do they do that? It's, it's very simple. I mean, I've, I've, I've got decades of researching that. It's easier. Period. There's no rocket science in this. It's just easier to think negative than positive. It's easier to tear something down than build it up. It's easier to think why things won't work than why they will work. It's easier. Interesting. So, so I, I have a theory uh, based on some of the neuroscience research that, you know, biologically that humans are wired for self-preservation. And our brain's job is actually not to be a decision maker. Our brain's job is to be a protector. It's first and foremost is safety. And <clears throat> so it's conditioned biologically to look for risk. And, and so it's always scanning, you know, the proverbial Serengeti to make sure that it's going to be safe. It's protecting the meat suit, right, all the time. And my theory around this is now that we've kind of got this conscious brain where we, the, the neocortex can come and be the intellectual part of ourselves, it's still the, the subconscious 
part of our of our brain is still always in charge. The emotional center is always going to be in charge. It, it, it activates all and initiates all decision-making. And then the higher order neocortex validates and justifies those decisions. My theory on that is we've allowed our conscious selves, our, our, our neocortex, to, to, to buy into this risk of loss thinking so much so that we haven't put that part of our brain in its place. Yes, it's safe. We're safe. I'm in my studio. We're safe. Okay, great. You're done. You go go play. Because <laughs> the rest of us are not going to have an adult conversation with inspiration. But we haven't been able to divide. We haven't been able to bridge that divide. So we allow that core root self-preservation part of our brain to continue to lead the conversation, which is left-handed in your case. That's my theory on the whole thing. Oh, I love it. Well, it, it goes back to two things. Number one is just recognizing it. Yeah. And then once you recognize it, don't get angry with it. Get inspired by it. Because we both exist in all of us. You know that. You just said that. Somebody says, I just, I don't want to do that anymore. Oh, that's an unrealistic goal. Yeah. You just have to recognize it and choose it. And then it's your choices you make. One of the, in the, the you know, I've, I've been blessed to write three books. The, the Good Life Rules book um, is one that um, I can't tell you how my life has been just massively blessed by that. But most importantly, because after the three books that were bought from my dad uh, in Colorado Springs, all the books that have ever been purchased after that, the money goes to the military. So it's my way of just giving back to the people I believe in. We're in a country in which we need to respect and, and honor those that allow us to choose every day with freedom, where we want to live, what we want to do, how we want to help. Um, but in there, I talk about there's 45 undeniable truths. So I'd like to share one of them with you. That's called the truth of the, it's called the truth of diminishing intent. See, once you recognize something, how do you then make a choice to get things to go better, Right. So the truth of diminishing intent is probably one of the most powerful, and that is what comes to your heart, heart don't lie, right? You ever met somebody it didn't take you long to figure out? Mm, 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 mm. Ask your wife that one. They've got antennas. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. Totally. What comes to your heart, you have to act upon within 48 hours. When you do, you beat the enemies. There are enemies out there. Interruptions distractions, and procrastination. There's more interruptions, more distraction, more procrastination ever recorded in the human race. I can't, with fact, say it was intentional. I would just say the reality is pretty obvious. It's easy to interrupt you, easy to distract you, and easy to get you off course, right? And so how do you know what matters? Follow your heart. So next time any of all of the people that... Whoever is listening right now, I only pray from the deepest part of my heart I can give them a gift. From this day forward, when something comes to your heart, and they all know, all of a sudden you think, I should call so-and-so, or I should do that, then just that's that's a calling. Act upon it within 48 hours, and you're going to find you're moving yourself in a direction that's going to feed your soul in a very positive way. That's yeah, so good. It's such a direct application. So let me, let me summarize a few things you've said that I think are so good. One of the things earlier on you said was, be intentional about owning the advice you get by proactively going and seeking out those who you respect, who you believe are wise, and ask them for that feedback and then take it versus allowing 
the noise to give you feedback, which may not even have your best interests at heart and is probably coming from a different place. I thought that was really, really good. And this idea that um, the choice piece is so critical. I, from the time my kids were young, I used to tell them all that my, my daughter will tell you, she's 22, she'll tell you this is dad. I said, the one thing I remember you saying more than anything else is the choices I make in the moment determine the options I have in the future. The choices I make in the moment determine the options I have in the future. And I think that resonates with me, right? Is that you are in charge of your choices, but it doesn't have to be, I think we immediately think of extrinsic choices. Well, I'm going to choose steak or chicken. You're saying the first choice you have to make is who am I listening to? What story is being told between my ears? And I get to choose who has that voice because that first choice has a domino effect on the other choices that you make day after day. So that's the second big thing I heard. The third one that you just nailed, I loved is our heart is wired to the creator for us to get inspiration. And that inspiration isn't just to sit there. It's to then take action to it. So if you do that within 48 hours in some meaningful way, if you take some initi- initiate something that your heart felt within 48 hours, you'll start to see another domino effect of positivity coming into your life. Those are the three big things I've heard you say that I took my own mental notes on that I'm going to work on. Thank you. Well, see, what comes to your heart is good. So if you, it, with intention, on purpose, always move good forward, then you're feeding your soul and you're feeding your life. Somebody says, how come so much good comes to you? I, I don't know. They go, how do you know about these things? I don't know. I'm not that good. The only reality of it is, is that I've learned every day if I do what is right and I follow these basic principles and everybody knows that, you know, they see me on stage. They see me behind stage. They, they go, this must be a show, right? And they go, you ever gone to dinner with him? <laughs> it, it is who I am. And the one thing I always ask people and also remind people, and that is this, who, you know, the most important thing you have to have, and this is my second book I wrote, was The Principles of an Unstoppable Family Business. So if anybody's listening right now, I'm all about family. You ever want to get to know me? Come meet my kids when I'm not around. Okay? So, and I'm all about family and businesses. So if there's somebody listening right now that's having some challenges with their family, um, I've been fortunate for over decades of working with family-based businesses, helping the family get together and grow the business, not the processes to improve the family. You follow me? Yes. So look at this book, because that could be one person that says, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I need right now. But one of the quotes in there that I was doing a live program for, it says, if you know who you are, then you're not jealous of somebody else. You're inspired by them. Mm. Wow. So people, people say that if you look at somebody and you're jealous, that means you don't know who you are. Jealousy is a byproduct of not knowing, no, not knowing who you are. If I see somebody like you and I'm inspired by them, that means I know who I am. I'm comfortable with me. Yeah. And see, in success, the left hand, how does the left hand get, some, get a heart of a servant to stop giving? It can't. We don't know how not to give, right? So guess what it does? It sneaks through the back door and it gets you to overgive. Promise too much. Mm. See, and what's worse, somebody doesn't promise anything and everybody understands it or somebody constantly making promises and not fulfilling them. See, the left hand can manipulate your talent, your gift that God gave you becomes such a weapon beyond your imagination. I've never heard that 
articulated that way before, Brian. That is very, very wise. And I see that so pervasive in so much of my own life and so many of the lives of really, really talented people around me that probably don't realize that's what's happening because on the surface, it appears to be a good thing. But when it's an overcommitted thing and you can't live up to that standard, eventually then you're going to start telling yourself a different story over time, which is the enemy's way of, of defeating you, even though you have a servant's heart. Exactly. It took, your, it took your gift and made it the biggest weapon against you. What I've always said, one of the greatest gifts, people say, what, what can you give to me that would help me? And I said, well, I don't know, but here's what I'll say. From this day forward, whatever you promise, you have to do it. So simple, right? So who's listening to the podcast? It's very simple. From this day forward, whatever you promise, you have to do it. So now here's an interesting. So you see the psychology because you have a great understanding of psychology. Why is that so important? Yeah, it's because the brain will deliver. <laughs> That's why. Because uh, once you've said something and you're committed to it, you're, you're designed to, to, to find the mechanism to get it done. Like this is kind of how we're wired. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. There's another way of looking at it. People say, well, that means, well, obviously that means whatever you promise you'll do. No, 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 no. That's, that's kind of the obvious. What it really means is you'll stop promising. Well, you'll, yeah, because you're creating, you create cognitive dissonance. You stop. Right. And you either stop doing it or you'll just, you'll, and you'll find reasons to justify why you're no longer doing those things. Right. Because you, you redirected your energies elsewhere. <laughs> oh, and you talk about the impact of another human being, which you're doing for so many people. It's, I love when I, and, and I, I'm very blessed to work with a lot of different people. And they go, that was the greatest thing ever, Dodge. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. So people come up to me and they go, can you do this and this and this? And they go, no, I made a commitment. Whatever I say, I'm going to do. And right now my plate is full. My plate is full. So I can't make that commitment right now. So I'm going to say no. And then they walk away, they go, I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. See, we don't do things to take away. We do things to coach people up. Every action has a reaction. Every action has a positive action. So what I'm asking people to do is you don't, you don't do this so that you have less to do. You do this so you teach other people to learn how to say no. Because in the world we're living in today, too much abundance. You're right. People got to learn to say no. No, I don't need that. Um, and these are very key elements of that. So, Well, and I think that what happens is you, you lose capacity, then you are no longer effective in your own superpower because you overcommit, right? It's such a powerful thing and, and most people don't, don't have the, the ability to do it because they're good people and they want to help serve as many people as they can. So then they just overcommit. And then once they've overcommit, they've overextended, then they overextend, they start telling a different story, and then they end up throwing themselves a pity party within a couple of weeks, right, about how busy they are. Look, we, I think I just told the story of every American. In, in <laughs> I, I think you just nailed it. That was, that was one of those uh, uh, baseball hits that guys don't even run after. They just go, it's gone. <laughs> you nailed that one. So in the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Good. Yeah. The other thing is the, the third book I wrote was uh, Becoming the Obvious Choice. And I want to share with people on this one. Becoming the Obvious Choice, there's what's called the truth of the universe. And the truth of the universe is simple. The easier you choose to be on you when nobody's around, the harder life gets on you. So listen to me very carefully. If life is being difficult on you right now, it's life talking to you. It's not mad at you. It's just talking to you. We're all hard workers. We're not talking about working hard. We're talking about working hard on yourself. So the easier you're on yourself, the harder life gets on you. 
the harder you get on yourself when nobody's watching, the easier life gets on you. It's time for people to choose with intention to drive change, not on the outside, Jeff. People want other people to change, but they don't change. Yeah. Real change begins with who? You. Can, can you uh, expound on that for one second? I don't want, I don't want somebody to, that's listening to misinterpret what you just said. The harder you are on yourself in private, then obviously you, the, the easier life gets. When you meet, when you say hard on yourself, I want you to clarify that. You don't mean negative self-talk. You don't mean lies that you're telling. What, what do you mean by the heart of yourself? To explain that to people that might misinterpret that. Well, I appreciate that because I wouldn't want them to misinterpret it. Lou Holtz, I, I think the role of Lou Holtz, I've had an opportunity to share some stage with him. But he, his, one of his quotes is, discipline is not what you do to someone, it's what you do for someone. So the more disciplined you are when nobody's watching, turn off the TV, pick up a book, turn off stupid, pick up something smart. I hope I said that well. You know, don't be so bored with doing little. Get engaged with learning a lot. That the, the people say, I don't have time. No, you have time. You just need to turn some things off. And social media, you have to understand, I'm not a social media guy at all. So the best thing in my life that anybody ever asked me, and everybody has their different opinions, and I know that people say, oh, without social media, you'll never be anything. Well, I'm already everything. Come to ask my kids. You follow me? I totally follow you. I, I have another sneaking suspicion that, um, I'm not going to say this is prophetic, but there's folks on the tail end of the Gen X generation as they age. There's a whole two generations right now of millennials and Gen Zs that are going grown up with, you know, attached to technology and attached to this superficial lie about what connection looks like. And by the time they hit about 50, maybe even sooner, they're going to be desperately seeking out the, the Gen Xers and the boomers that are left to teach them how to actually connect because they've grown up without it. Unless it's been forced in their home by folks like us, <laughs> they don't know what it looks like. There's there's two generations that have that are lost to true connection through the through the facade of of technology. That's one of my sorry. We'll get on a whole other episode here if I keep going. But <laughs> I, I love your point because I'm not all against technology and I'm not all against. I just I'm a I'm for balance. Yeah. Well, how do you use it, right? What because it tells you a story also, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's what I get a little bit nervous about is the story that it's telling you subconsciously that you're not controlling. Just like your left hand, social media can be a left-handed storyteller pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. 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 And that feeds right into my three, three laws that I'd like to share with everybody when it comes to leadership. Because if you're going to drive change, be a leader. Agreed, Jeff? Yes, Absolutely. You got to choose to be a leader. And somebody says, you know, I said, how many of you have people, you know, how many of you in this room is a leader? And half the hands raise their hands. I said, how many of you have a friend? How many of you have kids? How many? Have, we're all leaders. That's Come right. on. Law number one is when put in charge, take charge. Stop being a follower. Be a leader. Okay. Law number two is it never gets better in the interview. That means simple. What your advice you give to people needs to put them into a position of success. Do not put people in a position to fill your need. And I hope I said that well. I, I, do, I do believe that you, you nailed that one. Yep. Whose agenda are you on? Yeah. And number three is, if you can't change the people, change the people. Because what does failure fear most? 
everybody's driven by fear, and we know what fear stands for, false evidence, peering, rear, blah, 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 blah. What does failure fear most? And we've all been told this from generations to generations. Your parents, their parents, parents after all of us gave it to us, and none of us are paying attention to it. Misery loves what? Company. Company. Everybody has been told for our whole life. So love is the most powerful word that exists in the humankind. My father taught me a great gift and my mom did too. I only love things that can love me back. I don't love my boat. I don't love my barn. Don't love my horses. Don't love. I love my family. Misery loves company. So what does it fear most? Loneliness. It has to have people around them. So if you can't change the people, change people. That's good. Wow. Man, I'm going to have to go back. And if you're listening to this, you're probably going to want, want to put this on, on loop a couple of times and get your notepad out. I know I'm going to go back and have to do the same thing. So what a gift, Brian, you have been to the audience today. Where can they learn more about you and, and just your wisdom? And you are the prototypical, what we call the sage, right? You're in your sage stage. Uh, where you've always been a, a wise teacher, but I think in this stage of your life, I can really see God using you in a powerful way to help so many people in the next couple of coming generations. So where can we learn more about you and how to get some more of your resources? Well, I, it's simple. I mean, you know, just Google Brian Dodge or you can go to dodgedevelopment.com or bryandodge.com. And if there's anything I can do to help, all they have to do is ask. And uh, fortunately, because of technology, it's easy for them to ask. <clears throat> and there's something I would like to do if it's okay with you. Can they send you an email? Yeah, we have got a support email that comes directly directly into to, to Matt and the team. Yep. So here's what we're going to do. The first person that sends in an email to you, and you have to send in your mailing address, okay? If they say, okay, I want Brian's Good Life Rules book, because right now I think Amazon sold out, but I, 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 I'm not, not sure that's true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but so it, they, they go, I want the Good Life Rules book. Okay, that, I really want that because it really talks about family, it talks about life, it talks about everything. I want that one. So if they send you an email and it says, I want the Good Life Rules book, and they're the first one who sends it to you, okay, then I'll send them a book as my gift to them. And if another one sends in and says, I want the principles of an unstoppable family business, okay, and they can go to Amazon and look at the books, whatever. He says, no, I want that one. The first one that comes to you. Then you send that to Raymond, have Matt send it to Raymond. Raymond will send it to Chris and we will put it in the mail. We'll pay for the postage and the book is on me. Wow. And the third one is becoming the obvious choice. How do you position your life so you can be the obvious choice when it comes to people making decisions when they need the right person? Get your name in the conversation when it comes to people deciding this is who we want to help us go to that next level. So if one of them sends it in, the first one, I'm only doing one. You got that? I got it. Okay. I did this before and it was like uh, 500 and they go, you're sending the 500. I said, no, I said one. <laughs> the first one that asked for the good life rules, you get it. The first one asked for the principles of an unstoppable family business, you get it. And the first one that says, I want becoming the obvious choice, you get it. Have them just send it to Raymond and Matt sent it to Raymond. Raymond will send it to Chris. Chris will have them mailed out to him. Okay, that's my gift to you. Excellent. So those listeners uh, support at BrainTrustGrowth.com. You heard the instructions. If you send it in, uh, Brian and his team will send you a copy. The first ones of each of those three books, to clarify, the first ones of each of those three 
books. Uh, and Brian Dodge, you go to Brian Dodge's website, uh, B-R-Y-A-N Dodge, D-O-D-G-E. And uh, he's got resources everywhere from videos, from speaking to stuff on the website. And uh, this guy's just a, he's a treasure trove of, of knowledge and wisdom. So we'd love to have you back on at some, at some point soon, uh, Brian, and just staying connected to you will be powerful for us and our audience. So thank you again for being on. You're welcome. If, if we do get an opportunity to come back on, I would be honored. And the promise of seven, I think, would be one of the greatest things. And I'll leave with this because I want them to listen. I know we just got a second left. Number four of the promise of seven is don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. From this day forward, stop assuming. Ask. And if you're married and a guy is listening to me right now and your wife starts talking about things that aren't working, then let me give you some good advice. You look at her and you say, before I move, I just need to know, do you want me listening or do you want me fixing things? And she goes, I just need you listening. Then sit back and relax and have fun. So these are things that we can come back and talk more about. And then also how Dodge Development can help companies grow for their people, better companies and better people. But thank you. I've enjoyed my time with you. And guess what, audience? He only covered one or two truths of the 45 from his Good Life Rule book, too. So there's a bunch that we didn't cover that. But don't assume he's coming back on. So you better go learn this stuff on your own. Go buy the book yourself. But we're, we're going to hope to bring him back on. But don't assume. You just heard him say, don't assume anything. So, all right, brother, thank you. I'd be honored to come back. And it was a blessing to share some time with you today. So thank you for having me on. Blessing was ours. Thank you. Stay strong. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.